0: The New Age Christianity podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 90. So today, Kat Wilden and I talk about her first ceremony session of our ayahuasca journey. We've been talking about our ayahuasca ceremonies for the last few weeks, and we have a couple more episodes to go. So today we're gonna to kinda of get into the idea of blind spots. Maybe you've never heard of the concept or maybe you've not really sat and thought about it, but blind spots are arguably the most tricky thing in personal development because they're exactly as they sound. There's something you're blind to. You don't know that you have a thing there. You don't your brain just works, you just are, and yet there's this massive glaring thing that if you knew it was there, you wouldn't keep it. Well, Kat's first session revealed a massive blind spot to her, and as such, as often happens when we have our own growth, we can share it, and it revealed a blind spot in me, and we do our best to share and help give some tips. Let's talk about blind spots. All right, welcome to the New Age Christian Podcast. My name is Austin Fletcher, and Kat Weldon is with me in the studio. Say hello, Kat. Hi everybody and uh, we are talking once again about our ayahuasca experiences so this is the fourth episode in a series of six we each did two sessions of ayahuasca and if you don't know what that is and you're just now catching up uh, go back a couple episodes and we explain uh, in quite a bit of detail what ayahuasca is what those sessions were like but we are taking these sessions uh, as an opportunity to kind of drill down into some of the insights that we had and today we are going to get into more detail about Kat's first session. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to share your story?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely an experience for sure. So the session for me actually started a little bit before the ceremony started, like the way that spirit works and has messages for us in unassuming places. It was kind of a, not an omen, but like a precursor to what was coming, like a a sign of what was to come that evening. Mm. Uh, We had our uh, shaman, if you will, or the person that administrates and facilitates the ayahuasca experience, Linnell, she had a message for me. It was just like a really weird one. It didn't necessarily go with what we were talking about. She's just, it, like we're familiar with prophecy uh, and prophetic words and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It very much felt like that about people being in our life as a reflection of things that we need to work on. People that irk us and have those qualities where you're like, oh my gosh, that's so annoying. is generally some reflection of yourself. Like it rubs up against you in that way because it's it's you, it's a lesson. And so she said something to that effect and I was like, okay, I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I got the message. But my, as I had mentioned before, my intention going into ayahuasca was understanding. Uh, Like I wanted more understanding and if I had any blind spots of what I needed to work on but I didn't know that it existed, obviously you need to know that it's a thing before you can work on it. And I definitely felt stalled out or paused. Not paused, but kind of stuck in my personal growth, like I could not get further or to where I wanted to because there was something in the way. So I asked for her to reveal any blind spots that I was unaware of. And so three drinks in, because that's when it starts for me. I was like, yeah, just show me any blind spots. And she like has this billboard going, this one? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, it was a huge, huge blind spot that permeated every area of my life. Um, and it was being concerned about how people perceive me. And so she told me, she's like, you're too concerned with what people think. And I was like, I don't feel like that. that's true. That feels like kind of a basic thing. And for people that are so, it <laughs> you doesn't- You say it, it, you can say it. It's like a basic bitch thing. Like, <laughs> oh my God, is, is that person looking at me? Like, does that guy think I'm cute? It wasn't like that. And so I I felt a little offended by it. I'm like, <laughs> what? like of all of the work that I've done and like we know by now I think that my whole life is personal growth and like chasing this like best version of myself and this seems like a very basic thing to let slide or not notice like be completely blind to I'm like that seems like a very I was anyway I was offended i was like what <laughs> I had no idea it was so basic and she's like no it permeates everything and she went through and she showed me every area of my life that it affects Like, you're stalled out here because you're kind of frozen by that perception. And it was very much, she used the phrasing, again, she being ayahuasca, the plant entity herself, like the spirit of this plant. She went through and she kind of showed how it was stalling out every area of my life or how it affected every area. And she used the phrasing very specifically that I'm too concerned with how people perceive me. Not like, I'm not worried about what people think. So I'm like, okay, well, that seems like a little bit different energy, and so I'm going to cling to that. Like, hopefully there's something deeper than me just being vain. (laughs) Right. Right, And so I was like, okay, well, how did I let this slide? It seems like a pretty easy thing that I would have caught in the beginning of my personal growth journey. And... She explained it to me that it's not necessarily, it was not vanity. It wasn't like, oh, is that person looking at me because they think I'm cool? Or like, does that person think I'm neat? Like, I don't, I don't care. And that's why I was kind of flabbergasted too. Like, I don't generally care if people like me or think that I'm interesting or neat. I'm pretty happy with who I am. So this seemed like a very out of character trait to have. And... um it was a defense mechanism, essentially. Like I had a rough start in life, we'll say, um, some traumatic experiences and some emotionally unavailable <laughs> parents. <laughs> 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 My parents were kind of emotionally unavailable. Um, there were tempers and stuff like that where I kind of had to always gauge how that person was perceiving me in the moment. So it wasn't vanity or you know being vain or vapid, it was, Am I safe? Is that person looking at me? Is their anger going to be directed at me? Is that person looking at me? Are they upset? Are they fine? Are they feeling okay? Are they mad at me? If they are mad, is it going to come my way or is it going to go my brother's way? Or is it my brother? Like, it was more gauging how people were perceiving me to know early on how to respond and protect myself. And there was also, like, I do have uh, uh, sexual abuse in my past, and so, part of the I'm like, yeah, but there's still times where I'm like, is that person attracted to me? And again, I don't care. Like, I don't want anything from that. I'm, I'm not hoping anything comes from that. And so I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me why I would give a shit. And so she's like, no, it's because you need to again gauge if you're going to have to respond, if you're going to have to react, if you're going to have to protect yourself, if you're going to have to field some weird energy that's going to come your way. Is that person looking at you with, that type of whatever intent and you're going to have to deal with it and so it has been a defense mechanism where I just have to gauge how people perceive me so that I can protect myself and I was like oh that is so sad (laughs) (laughs) and so I like hugged myself (laughs) like oh I'm sorry. Um, It was actually a really heartbreaking realization to as strong and as powerful as I feel in my day-to-day to realize that something so, so broken, really, like it was caused by trauma and mm-hmm. that is such a broken quality is actually, it is um, staunching my growth further beyond this point, or was, but that it had gone unnoticed because it was, such, it was such an automatic part of my brain. Like that's just how brains work. You just constantly do that. But then she went through and she showed me every time those thoughts came up. And, um,
0: so you're in the session. I'm in the session. Like you're, it's going hours long. Yeah. And there's music playing. There's a lot going on. And every time something would show up in your mind.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Are you saying I'm just <laughs> painting a picture for, uh, you know, the, as, as she was? Oh yeah. Continually so she's, reminding you or showing you.
1: Yeah, and then even in the session, because I'm I was a dancer for 13 years and I couldn't improv. Like I could not do improvisational dance where you just go out and dance because your body wants to move and it's feeling the music. I I couldn't even touch the concept mentally. Like there's no way I can do that. And um, th- realizing, and I knew, I had an idea that choreography and having a plan was a safety net of sorts. Like I thought it was just because I was shy or had stage fright or whatever. And so having a plan made it possible. But the truth of it being that I had to have like a complete safety net. Like I know that I've done these movements and they're okay, and they, I have a plan, essentially. And so she pointed out that like this, this mindset of worrying and constantly being concerned with how people perceive you is why you don't create as an artist. And I paint and I create and I write and I dance and all of these things, but I won't actually do it and put it out there and so for sure there's like that oh I don't want people to think I'm dumb I don't care if people think I'm dumb like I'm a pretty weird person and I'm pretty confident in it and so it is just like that it's a safety thing being perceived the wrong way can mean danger in some mm. instances I'm like oh my gosh it's so depressing and so she used the illustration of art and why I don't create but she made it very clear that it's also why I don't create as a manifestation of God. Like why I'm not a powerful creator as far as manifesting what I want. And I am, like I'm doing well and I'm, I've am i got a good handle on the concept of things and I've created things powerfully in the past, but why I'm not more powerful, why I can't kind of get over that hump of like, no, I just want to be able to like, and create something. Right. It's an effort. And so it's being blocked by this mentality. And like, oh, sorry, while well, I was going into the dance thing, and why I would never improv is my body was afraid to move. Like, I don't, I don't want to draw attention to myself, which is weird for A, a Leo, which is usually a center of attention type person. I'm very against drawing attention. Like, I had a friend, it was my birthday last week or two weeks ago. And she's like, oh, so in the restaurant, we should have them sing you happy birthday. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I hate it. I'm like, no, I do not want... I don't want. <laughs> she thought I was kidding. I'm like, no, I'm seriously. I will stop being your friend. <laughs> like it's, it's a thing, and it is like drawing an attention to myself. And so it's been this battle between my artistic self and wanting to create and wanting to be out in the world and be whatever, and not wanting to draw attention to myself. It's a yeah, it doesn't make sense. So they've been right. battling each other, and keeping my body still to not draw attention to myself, to kind of blend into the background and not be noticed. And so f- ayahuasca, my experience, we talked about it before I wiggled nonstop. i just wiggling. And so a lot of the time I was like, oh my gosh, I probably look like an idiot. And she's like, there it is. Like, or there's, even there's like- one
0: of those thoughts where you're worried about what other
1: people think. Exactly, like it doesn't matter. You're going through this beautiful life-changing experience, this meditation and this this ceremony is for you, for your growth for you as your own person, nobody else matters. Nobody else matters in this. And so they're even down to like tiny things, like what is my foot doing? Does my foot look stupid? Is it dumb in this position? Does it make my, like, it's so stupid. And so like such minor thoughts, but she showed me the layers. Like I was explaining it like baklava. There's like a Turkish dessert that's like a bunch of flaky crust layers. Like, it's like baklava. There's just all of these layers of thoughts where I'm just concerned with my safety, essentially. Right. And that my powerful thoughts and my powerful I amness and my creative energy and my life force, essentially, cannot break through the layers of <laughs> Like These crusty layers of, because my mind is full. She was showing me how full it was and how everything, and it's not even just one <laughs> thought at a time.
0: What? Oh, I just have the title for the episode now. What is it? Mental Baklava.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope people listen to the episodes and don't just like read the title like, I don't relate to that at all. (laughs) I'm going to skip this one.
0: (laughs) Ayahuasca insight number two, Mental Baklava.
1: It's super deep, guys. But seriously, that my mind was so congested with these layers upon layers upon layers upon layers because it wasn't just like one thought at a time it was like multiple my brain is very busy and she showed me how busy it was with just this one area and that i can't even think about being more powerful or can't think about deeper parts of myself because of all of these stupid layers yeah
0: being a creator requires attention and And energy and attention is something that you have if you always have a hundred percent of your attention able to be given out right any second you can give up, you have 100% of your attention. And for most of us, that attention is divided, right? It's divided yeah. amongst a dozen different things. Our cell phones, our surroundings, our thoughts in the back of our mind, our stresses, everything of like that. And if a massive chunk of your attention is going towards these layers of baklava, of what other people are thinking, or what, how other people are perceiving you and everything of that, then that's that much less attention that you can put towards being a creator.
1: Exactly. Like if we have, let's say our attention, if there's 100%, let's say it's 100 bucks, $100 worth of attention, like 50 to 70% of it was just being paid to making sure I was safe, to right. perceiving how people perceive me. That's a lot of money, guys. If I only have $100 to spend, that means my whole life that I've been working towards personal growth, only half of my investment has even, it's like interest. When you pay on your house and like 10 bucks goes towards the actual principal that you're paying on, and the rest is just interest that gets eaten right. by the bank. It's exactly what it's like.
0: Yeah, it is half of your life's efforts go towards just trying to stay safe.
1: Yeah, it's really and depressing. I feel
0: like that's something, and that's, there, There's. You know, we've made notes for kind of how we want... What we go through. And to drill down on that is that so many people... I think everybody, honestly. Part of life's job is to hand you challenges to grow past. Right? Mm -hmm. Part of your parents' job. Jesus himself could be your parent. And you'd still have daddy issues. Like... I would
1: never measure up to him.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, my (laughs) dad was so perfect. You know, and then you'd end up with, like... Literally, Jesus was your dad. Seriously, you couldn't ask for a, quote-unquote, in theory, more perfect father to raise you, and yet you're still going to have daddy issues. Mm-hmm. That is part of the journey of life.
1: That's part of our job as parents, is to mess up our kids <laughs> a little bit.
0: Well, that's part of our job as humans is to grow. Right? You're not born a full-grown tree.
1: Well, a lot of people don't clock into that job.
0: No, they don't. <laughs> and so, for me, it, it, it highlights that... Feeling unsafe in a world filled with other people is 99.9999% of people's experience. We all feel unsafe as children in some way, and it's kind of an insight into how do we deal with it differently. And so as, as we've been going through our own discussions post-ayahuasca, one of the things that... Your session has highlighted for me is that I also felt unsafe with people around me. I was I was held down by my friends when I was in sixth grade and beat up by the new kid. I was you know I've had business partners. I would like
1: to beat up your friend.
0: Yeah, I mean they they were. That's bullshit. You know, I. If I've you're had listening,
1: I'm coming for you. I'm just right.
0: <laughs> I was a big kid. I, I mean, I was 6'2", 240 in seventh grade. So I was always big. I was always. Um, I had a lot of quote unquote baby fat for years um, you know I've grown into a man sized body, but when you're that big as a kid it's you're just chubby so there was a lot of unsafeness. I had a, an older brother who was not very kind. you know my parents got divorced I mean so I've had my own sh- my own list of things that made me feel unsafe and I dealt with them almost completely the opposite way that you did but to highlight for a, for a second, like you dealt with feeling unsafe, with having you know an older brother who wasn't always the nicest, <laughs> having you know uh, parents with tempers and sexual abuse and something like that. You dealt with it by my
1: parents did not sexually abuse me. I want to clarify.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Yes, <laughs> Just, thank you. That's great. But you dealt with it by becoming what I would almost say hyper aware. Definitely. Hyper aware of what other people were thinking.
1: You did call it, we were, we were talking about, like, getting the notes down for the episode, you call it hypersensitive, <laughs> and it's true. Like, you are, you're hypersensitive to people's energy, and if they're shifting, if they're getting grumpy, and you need to back off or hide or whatever, right. so it is hypersensitive for sure.
0: And I think if you look at a, a majority of what I would call, and this is, this, I haven't shared this thought because I wanted to save it for the episode. Oh. <laughs> if you look at a majority, if you go to the political spectrum for a second... okay. I think if you look at progressives and liberals, Hmm. I think you find people that lean towards being hypersensitive to what other people are thinking and feeling. And that's why you get all of these, you know, protected groups and everything like that, Hmm. because I need to be ultra aware of how you're feeling. I need to be ultra aware of what you're thinking. And then I think if you go to the conservative side, you get more what my response was, is I dealt with my sense of safety by withdrawing and drawing in and realizing that what you think doesn't matter, right? So you dealt with what they think and are are perceiving is really important so that I can respond and I did it. What they think and perceiving is irrelevant because they don't matter in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you have is protection mechanisms that start to lean towards more of a collective big picture, you know, people's thoughts and feelings. Right? Versus an individualism and leave me alone, it's none of your business type of. Like, you you start seeing those two energies Mm -hmm. go the opposite direction. Of that, I think children are handed a dangerous, unsafe world, and how we try to deal with it, and how we try to protect ourselves. There's these different paths you can take.
1: There's like a spectrum of. Right. Of how sensitive you're going to be. So, either you're going to shut down and not be, you're not going to give a shit what anybody thinks. And I do wonder, I do wonder if I would have gone more that way if I was 6'2 and 140 pounds. <laughs> like, it's safe enough to, like, I don't care what you think. Yeah, cause I will, some measure I'll like measure exactly. You can hurt
0: me. Exactly. And yeah. so,
1: being. 70 pounds until you were 14.
0: I think that's probably why a lot of that progressive movement is led by a feminine energy because mm. they don't and a lot of that conservative movements led by a male energy
1: could be because yeah, the men sure. can
0: say screw you
1: and, and the women the, can't yeah. say
0: that. They can't say that because it's unsafe.
1: Oh, this is way deeper than I expected this episode <laughs> But it's true. Like it's other than just our spectrum, like I don't think that I'm fully at the super sensitive end of the spectrum because there's, there's been people that care so much what people think that it is behavior management or it becomes codependent and like that high, high S where I need to make everybody happy. Not that high S's are filled no, with I mean it's
0: each, each personality trait has their weaknesses mm-hmm. and immature S's, they will treat themselves like a doormat. Yes. Before you can.
1: Well, they, well yeah, they run themselves into the ground trying to people-please, essentially, right. to stay safe by keeping everyone happy. I work with the
0: dude who does that, and I know he listens to this podcast once in a while. So, bro, if you're listening, I love you. You don't need to keep apologizing for stuff before anybody yells at you for it.
1: And that's, I think that that's one of the mechanisms is, is making sure that you keep everyone happy so there's no danger. Whereas right. I approach it as like, is there danger so that I can respond? Because I, I, will, I will try to hold my own, but I wanna be aware. I wanna be one step ahead so I know what's coming and can prepare. If you're mad, then that's your prerogative. I'm not right. gonna try to keep you happy falsely anymore. I think I did still, I, I definitely had those mechanisms when I was younger, but as I got more competent in myself, I'm like, whatever, I just need to know if there's punches coming my way.
0: Yeah, I think you on the spectrum, there's definitely people that go further that direction than you are, mm-hmm. of s- literally, like you are hyper aware of what people think and perceive, but then you respond kind of with a, with a, essentially a, well, I just need to be able to react accordingly and move on, keep going on my way. Yeah. That their perceptions and stuff aren't typically going to throw a boulder in your way that cause you to course correct.
1: Right, and I don't have to stick around to fix it.
0: Right. Then there's people that are so hyper-aware and ho- so hypersensitive to other people's perceptions that if what I'm doing makes you even remotely upset, I just won't do it. And then now your entire life is being dictated by other people's opinions.
1: Yeah, I don't do that. No, you don't. I'm, do that. I'm super. Oops, I'm super thankful that I don't do that. I did. I used to. It took a lot of like a lot of effort and a lot of courage to the point where I could just stay on my own course and uh, not have to fix all of the boulders or whatever, yeah.
0: And I think spectrum-wise, mm-hmm. going to my side of it, I can be helpful and I can uh, let other people's uh, experience of me change my course of action, like if, if it needs to, like, oh wow, I, I'm, this behavior is causing a lot of pain, I'm sorry, I will change my course of action, but I think if you keep going further that direction, then you get people who could give two shits and I don't care if it hurts you. It's who I am. Deal with it. And Which so, is the
1: immature version of that yeah, the, of that
0: disconnect. So we're not on the op. We're not on the far ends of that spectrum. But we are on we are on that spectrum.
1: I feel like we're the mature versions of this heartbreaking trauma-based mechanism. <laughs> like we've learned to be in mature in our defense mechanisms, but it's still it is heartbreaking. It's like oh my gosh, this poor inner children
0: (laughs) and that's it and that's the thing I, i feel like the point that since hearing your story and since kind of us talking through like wow i do it but i do it the opposite way i've i've developed a safety mechanism of not giving a crap what anybody thinks and so i don't i'm not hyper aware of other people's opinions i'm not hyper aware of because you know they can go suck an egg type of thing and i think the the point that i'm as a New Age Christian podcast. <laughs> you never heard that phrase, Sucking Egg?
1: I have. It's just funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, th- I think the point as you know, we're doing a New Age Christian podcast. Why would you do an episode, any episode? It's to kind of try to help people, right? Mm. And I think for me, if the, the helpful point in this is obviously there's the helpful point of like, hey, figure out whether you're on the spectrum. If you're overly sensitive to people's opinions and perspectives, it's probably not just because you're vain. Yeah. It may be because it's a protection mechanism and, you have, and and that's how you deal with feeling safe and vice versa. Maybe you, maybe you are a little bit cold-hearted and you're not really thoughtful. And maybe it's not because you're just a selfish jerk in vain. Maybe, maybe. because
1: before when you were thoughtful, you got held down by a bunch of kids and got the crap beat out of you. Right. I don't know.
0: So there's that point. But then the other point is is there's probably people in your life that <laughs> getting to the perfect case in point liberal versus conservative right if you could understand that people's viewpoints are fostered and they come from somewhere Mm -hmm. right and that if you could get past that discussion a little bit to listening like where what happened to you as a kid that caused you to be so overly sensitive to where if you have certain characteristics of race or sexual orientation or whatever that suddenly logic is thrown out the window and we're just only, only, only concerned about your perceptions because reality doesn't matter versus conservatives who don't seem to have a heart half the time.
1: I feel like that's a whole episode that we should kind of clarify what you mean by that. Like, because I feel like you just call liberals like illogical and out of touch with reality and I've heard your reasoning for boiling it down to that energy. But I feel like, depending on who listens to your podcast, I guess, like there's a lot behind that that would be.
0: I've never met a liberal who doesn't at some point admit that the weak side of that energy is overly emphasizing emotions to the point where it doesn't actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'm just explaining it now. So we don't have to do a whole yeah. other episode. Okay. I don't, if anybody says my side has no weak points and we are 100% right, please don't listen to the podcast. I, ain't nobody got time for that, right? So if you can admit that there's challenges on that side of the of the aisle, if you, if, you, mm-hmm. if you say, then what is that challenge? What's the primary energy of that challenge? And I think it is overemphasizing the emotive response to, we're going to solve problems because this feels good. And then you realize twenty years later that didn't solve a problem at all because no logic was involved with it. And then on the other side is the opposite. It's literally no, we're gonna, we're not going to pay attention to how you feel because it's invalid because it's illogical. Well, feelings are valid, mm-hmm. and you can't just put out mechanical solutions without accounting for the like. For instance, the the you know putting out mechanical solutions to. Uh, reparations for blacks. Logically speaking, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to hold a generation of white kids responsible for something that happened 200 years ago. But emotively speaking, there is uh, there's an argument to be made for how, you know what kind of privilege those white kids have and what kind of challenges the black community has to overcome and, and how many generations does it take to kind of get rid of a mindset. Those are discussions that most conservatives don't want to have. Mm-hmm. And those are discussions that most liberals don't want to have because it requires you to be balanced. And I think each side absolutely has its weaknesses. And I think it does come from this to bring it back to ayahuasca and cat secession, and not have a political... <laughs> <laughs> like, that it is wounded people trying to feel safe.
1: I agree. And for, like, especially the, the Liberal Party being... Like, if they have felt unsafe and unheard then advocating really fiercely for the people that are unheard or they feel are being unheard. Or I definitely get that mindset as well. And this is, yeah, becoming a political thing, but like we need to meet in the middle. We need to meet in the middle and we're just fighting against each other all the time.
0: Well, and bringing it around to our particular stories, right? Mm. We've talked that I could certainly use to be more thoughtful.
1: Yeah, because the whole you can go suck an egg extends to your friends.
0: <laughs> and yeah. not on
1: purpose. You're not an asshole. It's just, it's such a, that's what I mean too, is it's such a part of your your brain now because you've had that mechanism for 30 years or whatever. It's my blind spot. Yeah, that you, like we were talking about this earlier, like, okay, so these are our two issues that are kind of hand in hand and we get those, those lessons where we kind of each have one side of the coin, and we can kind of like, well, this is what it looks like from over here. And uh, you're a good partner to have for those things, like to figure out, like have a, a processing partner to right. get through some of those with. So being hypersensitive and then being hyposensitive, like where you just, we both have had these mechanisms for so long that we've just assumed that that's how brains work. And we don't even, like, in the same way you've mentioned, you're not even sure how to start being thoughtful because it doesn't come into your brain. It doesn't even compute. And then there are no thoughts where you're like, I could do that, that'd be thoughtful, but fuck that guy. Like, you don't do that. It just yeah, doesn't like come I'm up. Yeah, not
0: thoughtful and then I choose to be a jerk.
1: Yeah, you're not, still, you're not still building the mechanism where you're like, no, because last time I was thoughtful, you know, was, I was unsafe or whatever. It is just so automatic. That we're kind of stuck in this, like, ah, I don't know how to not be hyper-aware. I don't know how to become thoughtful or whatever. So,
0: I just, and I would phrase for mine, like, I just am who I am. And if people don't like it.
1: They can oops. suck an egg.
0: And, yeah, it's one thing if it's strangers or just discussions of certain nature. It's a whole other thing when it's friends and family and people I love. Right. And it's like, hey, I am who I am. Just deal with it. Well, I'm going to deal with it over here. I Hope you have a nice life. I was like, oh, why'd you leave? <laughs> like, oh. Uh, I imagine there's lots of people who are listening to this podcast who've known me in, in different levels of intimacy over the years that are like, finally, he might be he might be getting it.
1: <laughs> Somebody told him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somebody finally got through. that, And it's it's been a strength of mine. I would mm-hmm. say your thoughtfulness is a strength of yours.
1: It definitely is. And so we've talked about keeping authentic parts of ourselves. And so, no, this, like, being being aware of people and where they're at has definitely turned into a strength in some areas that I do want to keep I don't want to get rid of like being thoughtful and thinking like oh that person mentioned three months ago that they need a tea ball diffuser thing I'm going to just send them one from whatever like being thoughtful in those ways or being being aware of how someone's feeling so that you can help and like pick them up not it doesn't go back to the bolder analogy, like, oh no, I upset them. But like gauging someone like, oh man, that guy's upset because of this conversation that he had. I can check on him, whatever. Like being thoughtful, I, I definitely want to keep. being thoughtful for friends and family is something mm-hmm. that I, I love having. But I don't want the baklava. And mm-hmm. I did ask her, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want that anymore. Can you just like take it? And she's like, yeah, and she did. For the most part, like, the, the clutter is gone, which is really cool. There's just some, like, habitual things that I need to... Right.
0: Habitual phrases or whatever. Yeah. That, that
1: like, pre-explaining myself or pre-apologizing for how weird I am. Like, I know this sounds really weird, but... Blah, blah, blah.
0: And I never say that stuff.
1: I know. You're pretty confident and
0: And that's... <laughs> however and so you're going to In some be. ways, that's been my... You know, it's, it's a weakness, not being thoughtful, but it's also a strength. Mm-hmm. That I have a podcast called New Age Christianity... I have upset many people.
1: What? As a
0: teacher. Mm-hmm. I have pushed through and journeyed and 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 it is in the, in many ways my lack of giving a shit of what other people think has been a strength of mine to allow me to help people the way that I have. And so I think it is in the discussion as you're thinking about friends and family and it's like... Oh my gosh, my sister is so this, my, my brother is so that, my spouse, my parents, my mom, my dad, my, my best friend, uh, and this, this huge thing that annoys me, make, maybe makes it a little more sense now. Part of it is is acknowledging, you've probably already seen, that it's also kind of a strength when used in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so, acknowledging in your own self, like, yeah, I, I do lean more towards the, I don't give a crap what people think. And there's a heartless way to do that. There's a there's a broken way to do that, and I think we all—if you're listening to the New Age Christian podcast—there's a huge part of you that wants to become a better person. I think right? so. Otherwise, you'd just be listening to music. So that part of you that wants to become a better person certainly can grow, but it doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. And you know, for us, finding the strengths in being—you know—for her, it's being thoughtful, and for me, it is not. Being concerned with what other people think I think you can easily see there's some weaknesses in that and then there's some strengths in that and it is entirely possible to focus on the strengths and address the weaknesses and you don't have to change who you are in these drastic ways and it doesn't mean that you need to flip to the other side of the aisle because the other side is right it just means mature and grow Mm -hmm. and refine who you are and how you do what you do
1: all of it good job
0: so there was a second point mm-hmm. to your journey, your ayahuasca journey, and that was that other people are mirrors.
1: Yeah, that was the part that actually came up before.
0: Now this is, in, contextually, it's inside of the reality that ayahuasca was showing you how much you consider other people. Hmm. Right? And so I, it makes sense to me that tacked onto this would be, or that leading into that would be the reality that other people... Are have, mirrors. ...have a role.
1: Yeah, so the the main message that we started with and that I've, it was just a big aha moment for me. Like, And we've known, we know <laughs> as personal growth people that like people that irk you are reflections of something in yourself that you need to work on. And so this particular situation, (laughs) hmm, um, was a person that was very frustrating and very hard to like, I just can't connect to this person. I don't understand why this person, like they were in my life for a very long time. They were a very frustrating presence in my life. And I'm like, I couldn't get it. I'm like, okay, so I know I get the reflection thing, but because it was such a blind spot, I never got it. I never understood. I'm like, I just don't get it. I'm just so tired. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what lesson is here. I'm trying really hard. I don't see those qualities in myself. I'm, I can't find that. I feel like I've worked on those things and the presence is still present. And I just I couldn't get it. And so I am wondering, like I do have a theory of like, so is the person's presence and frustrations equal to or reflected in how like how serious or how blind you are to the quality that you need to work on? Does that make sense? Does that make sense?
0: It does. Have you ever heard of the seven ASEAN mirrors? It's a teaching by Greg Braden. The seven what? ASEAN mirrors. Nope. So the ASEANs were the, there was a, she had the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. There was one other group known as the ASEANs. So, and they were in the Bible, in most translations, they're called the Zealots.
1: Oh, the Zealots.
0: So Simon the Zealot. um, Most scholars believe that uh, both John the Baptist and Jesus were raised by Essenes. In the wilderness they were just one of the sects of Christianity kind of like Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist type of thing. Okay. In Jude- Judaism you had Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes and other denominations. But huh. they have a writing called the Seven E S S E A N Mirrors and the idea of that one of them, a couple of them, centered around the fact that people are in your life as a mirror.
1: Hmm. It's
0: a really good teaching. Maybe we should link it to the show notes.
1: Let's do that. (sighs) I guess any word of advice, like if someone rubs you the wrong way or there's a quality in like even your partner that just gets under your skin like crazy and you don't know why, like you love them and you you know, it doesn't make you hate them or anything, but that one thing, oh, it just irks you for some reason, especially if it's not even an offensive thing, if it's just them being themselves, and you're like, oh, I love you, except that part. Reflect. Like, it's usually there. It's usually rubbing against something in you, and that's why it hurts, and that's why it's aggravating. So. Well,
0: and and this person that was (laughs) was in your life for a very long time, Mm -hmm. Um, and that whole thoughtfulness thing, you... Could say that that person was in the vanity realm of that.
1: I would say that. Right,
0: and so yeah, I'm
1: definitely concerned with what other people think. But in a, like that's why I'm like I don't give it. I don't right. see
0: it. Those mirrors and often aren't a an exact version.
1: It's like right? a funhouse mirror where it's kind of yeah.
0: Warped. It's kind of this like My it's almost really like so obvious. Mm-hmm. Which after this episode, uh, remind me to point out that maybe there's another mirror in your life right now that is kind of like it's a thing but it's like to the next one or two levels quote-unquote worse so uh, that you can see it and you're like oh my god. is this
1: something that we've already talked about or is this no, news to me
0: no this is something i was just thinking about
1: oh good oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i might know god i have so much work to do i'm so tired <laughs> i just want a nap <laughs>
0: But that's, I mean, uh, the point being is, if there's people in your life that annoy the that junk out of you and you still love them, it's not like there's just people that are not good for you. That, we're not talking about that.
1: That's people. true. There's toxic people for sure, right? But if it's just like a one trait in a person that's normally just fine, then it's usually it's yeah. it's usually a message, like a mirror message,
0: right? And I've thought about those people in my life. So um, one of them for me was Christopher Teasdale. Christopher Teasel was, um, he's passed away now, but he was one of my best friends for 15 years. And there were two things that he did that were so incredibly frustrating. And one of them I still don't get, but the other one definitely carried a message of like, oh, I do that. I do it on a different scale. I do it differently, I do it my way, but I still very much do that. Um, And that is his, you know, he was famous for being fairly unreliable with plans. Right. Like you'd make a plan with him and stuff. And and if he were still here, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like (laughs) it wasn't something we hadn't talked about. Not a secret. Whether it was timeliness or just like, no, I had to do this or whatever. And for me, it has taken primarily a form with, I can be fairly flighty with, with kind of my vision for how to take over the world and partner with people and everything like that. And people who've tried to do businesses with me and then they go nowhere and everything like that. Like I'm, I have my own version of that. That and it's super frustrating Right. (laughs) I think there's a for me. There's a core energy in this idea And that is at what point are you going to realize that everything in your life is for you? Including the people that frustrate you.
1: Oh for sure. Uh, It doesn't make it fun. Like I am aware. I'm like, yeah, well and especially when you make the agreements with the universe that you want growth like, everybody has the lessons. Everybody, I think, has those people and those things that they need to overcome. But a lot of people, again, don't clock into that job.
0: <laughs> but... <laughs> well, a lot of people don't. Hmm. They don't actively... Again, I think this, it's safe to communicate to this community because you're listening to a podcast about personal growth and development. You care. Even if it's on a mild level, congratulations you're ahead of most of the people in this world who just kind of autopilot. It is something that you have to acknowledge when you, <laughs> when you want to grow. Spirit's going to say, okay, well, here you go.
1: I know. I still wish there was like a easy, like not easy, but just like a, a serene way to do it. But it usually does come from trial and aggravation and rubbing against certain points that are just not fun.
0: Well, it's, it's, It is illogical to expect a trait to magically appear that hasn't been cultivated.
1: Do you just call me a liberal? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. No,
0: I'm just thinking about like, it like, is I'm that, just teasing. you know the old, the old uh, joke of never pray for patience.
1: Oh God, yeah, don't do that.
0: <laughs> because you're gonna, okay.
1: You don't just get patience, you, you get don't. a million frustrating things that teach you how to be
0: patient. Exactly. That is how it logically works. I so know. never pray for a spiritual trait that you're not willing to earn, that you're not willing to grow into.
1: For sure. Oh, and I don't.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not talking to you when I say these things.
1: Oh, you no. looked at me. I'm, I'm just
0: kidding. We are having a discussion for the sake of those. I know. Things.
1: I don't think any of my areas of growth have been easily won. Like, they've not just been like, oh, I woke up and now I can... I uh, no, I'm patient it's it's like wow I have a bad temper I had a bad temper my whole I don't know probably for my first 25 maybe even 30 years I Had a pretty decent temper and it didn't just magically absolve one day it was like I had a really aggravating life and people that push buttons and I just get super like it's work for sure
0: I can see how certain spiritual skills they'll have a culminating moment That you can point to and go, that's when I learned that. Absolutely. But if you look at it and you go, and it took me three years of shit (laughs) to get to that moment. So did you learn it in one moment or did you learn it over three years? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So
1: it's solidified, or I think we talked about that having like a moment that you can. Oh, when we were talking about like magic or ritual or something, there was like a moment where that this is when we're manifesting. Yeah, the release. Yeah, the release. That's
0: the release moment it is it is that creative so all creation has phases and it starts in the mind and it starts in that consciousness and then it becomes an energy but there is a moment at which you create it that manifesting moment and it's the same with spiritual lessons so kind of the two takeaways would you say are safe to say that from your first ayahuasca session where the idea of people in your life that are, are mirrors
1: mm-hmm.
0: which to land that point I'm telling you I can guarantee you that there are people in your life that are in your life to teach you a lesson via being a mirror. And when you learn the lesson, they will miraculously, mystically find their way no longer in your life. Or that behavior in them will change.
1: Yeah. Or once you realize it, it doesn't irk you anymore either. Like once you're like, oh, that's the message. It doesn't necessarily hit you the the same way anymore because you recognize it more for what it is and it's not. It's not a message anymore, so it's not constantly bonking you over the head and aggravating you. It's more like, oh, I get it now, I, and I do want to like clarify. It doesn't always mean that that one trait in your spouse. Now that you've gotten the lesson, you get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it could.
0: Okay, I'm just kidding. So that being a you know the mirror concept and then the other concept of, I I really like kind of meditating around like man, everybody feels unsafe. How we deal with that as how as we, we protect grow. ourselves now yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. and for me i've learned how to protect myself by not giving a crap what people think
1: i do want to touch back on that though because it was she was pointing out the unhealthy ways and how it was staunching my growth and she was saying like this is why you don't create and she was using the art as a metaphor but it was really the I amness and part of it like part of when i went into ayahuasca i think we talked in the pre-ayahuasca thing that i also want to like touch on like why am I, like mentally I've done the math, I've done the energy work and stuff like that, everything I can think of to kind of break the dam of financial stability and prosperity. And so I'm like, I'm like super tripping, <laughs> and I'm like, also I was hilarious to myself. I was telling myself jokes all night and I was just, I was hilarious. Uh, so I was laughing a lot also. It was a really beautiful experience, I loved it. But I was also like, but ayahuasca. I just need money <laughs> and she's like why but why do you need money like I'm like because I need to be free I need to be free I need freedom to do what I need to do and she's like well what are you you're gonna be free to do what and so there again there's a lot of repetition when you like lock onto a concept like free to do what free to do what free to do what and so I'm just reading that to myself as I'm probably rocking and making hand gestures like free to do what and a lot of it was like free to do what Because if you had all of the money, but you still have this brain baklava that's keeping you from creating anything, like you wanna be free to be an artist? What are you gonna create? Nothing. Right. Like maybe half of a painting that's still sitting on your easel somewhere. A whole
0: book of half paintings.
1: A whole book of half paintings. I don't have that many. (laughs) (laughs) But like she was, she's like, okay. And she called me out essentially in a very beautiful, like loving way. But like free to do what, darling? because you're not creating anything because you're stuck because of this. I'm like, oh, dang, that's true. So mm-hmm. this is why I'm not a more powerful creator. This is why I can't grow beyond is because I'm, I still have this trauma mindset. So that was
0: I'm, night one. <laughs> that was night one. So um, you've now heard both of our kind of insights from our first two sessions of ayahuasca. The next two episodes will be the second evening and that will then conclude our series on the ayahuasca experiences. I've had multiple people text me who've now heard the first, um, by the time we're recording this, a couple of them have already aired. (laughs) I had a good buddy text me, he's like, gosh dang it, I I didn't know you could do ayahuasca in the States. hmm. Um, I've connected a few people. So um, if you're interested in doing ayahuasca, for the sake of privacy and I'm not sure how everything works with it with ayahuasca in the states I mean that you know you can private message me on Facebook or Kat um, or Kaylee if you are friends with any of us we were all there we can connect you with uh, the potential of uh, being a part of a session the person that we did ayahuasca with the host of it the facilitator the shaman of it does sessions ceremonies Around the states, and I think in other parts of the world, and I highly recommend an ayahuasca ceremony for every living being. Personally, I should.
1: I should put my dog on ayahuasca. That would probably be animal abuse, but I just I want to see if it helps.
0: Maybe <laughs> sorry, I, I, I meant, don't know. it probably mean die. Human, every human being, but okay. animals might.
1: I don't think so. I think they'd probably. I don't think they'd do well. I don't know. Don't give ayahuasca to your dog. <laughs> Or your cat. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> so on that note, this cat can have ayahuasca. Yes. And did. But uh
1: I would do it again.
0: Anyway, yeah, if you're interested, just hit us up on Facebook, one of us, private message us, and uh, we'll be happy to connect you accordingly. At some point I probably will try to host an ayahuasca ceremony somewhere and in the states and uh maybe do a new age christianity family thing that would be cool that would be really cool so thank you guys for your time hope you've enjoyed it and hope you've uh, gotten some value from these insights that uh, i know we did and um if you would consider donating that's always highly appreciated uh it's one of those things i've heard a few people say you know i'm going to donate for sure and then they don't um (laughs) We're so, calling
1: you up. <laughs>
0: so, like, hey, if it hits you, one of the things I've learned with spiritual leading is to uh, to act before it's, and that's one of its own lessons. Of um, you know, the spirit, the universe likes speed, and reciprocity is part of that. So, if it crosses your mind to donate and you just never get around to it, let me encourage you to check in on what what the message is with that. That's not a manipulation to say, hey, do it or else God's going to get you. <laughs> it's just to say. There is a reciprocity in the universe with generosity and, and exchanging those things. So, you know, dig into that and see why it is you keep forgetting that. And uh, thank you. So, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like manipulation. I <laughs> no, promise it's not.
1: I got you. <laughs> uh, I'm
0: so beyond all that. So... Uh,
1: there's lessons in everything.
0: There there is.
1: They're sneaky sometimes.
0: So, thank you guys for your time. Hope you're enjoying the episodes. Catch us next week. Uh, like, share, subscribe. All of that good stuff. Talk to you guys later.